The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Providing insight and resources for your spiritual journey. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Truth Transforms with your host, Rev. Galen McDowell, Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. This is the program for spiritually enlightening discussion, interviews, and the practical application of new thought principles to transform your life. Now, here's your host, Rev. Galen McDowell. Welcome to Truth Transforms. I'm your host, Galen McDowell, and... This is Truth Transforms series on Lessons in Truth. I've been covering for the last three weeks, and this is the fourth week, uh, the book Lessons in Truth by H. Emily Cady, which is a unity classic that has been taught for over 100 years, teaching people the basic principles of metaphysical Christianity or new thought or whatever term you like to use to explain this metaphysical, spiritual-centered religious philosophy. Now, today I'll be talking about denial. And just as a reminder, I've already done the chapters Bondage or Liberty Witch, which is the first chapter, Statement of Being, which is the second chapter. Last week I did Thinking, and I will do Denial. And again, next week will be Affirmations, and I'll continue going one chapter a week until we finish the book. So it'll be 12, this will be a 12-week series. Now, if you have the book Lessons in Truth, and I'm using the version from the Unity Classic Library series, on page 43, it starts with a scripture from Jesus, and it states, Then Jesus told his disciples, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. H.M. Lee starts this chapter off with a statement that is very powerful. She says, all systems of spiritualizing the mind include denial. Again, all systems of spiritualizing the mind include denial. Every religion in all the ages had some sort of denial as one of its foundations. Now, she covers a lot of material for the next several pages. And basically what she's talking about is the goodness of God. God's will for us is absolute good. Um, God is absolute good. God seeks to express his love and peace and harmony and joy through us. She quotes a lot of different scriptures, quotes Jesus a lot. To get to the point of understanding that denial or denying oneself does not mean giving up the pleasures of life. Because some people in uh, some former spiritual teachers and religious philosophies believe in 
being, you know, poor or punishing yourself or or doing without the things that you like or desire. And that will make you more spiritual. That is not the point of view of the new thought Christian. That is not the point of view of the metaphysical student. That is not the point of view from someone who's coming from the standpoint of realizing that we're always talking about consciousness, not the thing. So what she does on page 46 is remind us why denial is important. She says that in these lessons, we have been we have seen that besides the real innermost self of each of us, the self that is the divine self, because it is an expression or pressing out of God into visibility and is always one with the father. There is a human self, a carnal mind that reports lies from the external world and is not to be relied upon fully. This is the self of which Jesus spoke when he said, let them deny themselves. This intellectual man, man, excuse me, carnal mind or whatever you choose to call him is envious and jealous and fretful and sick because he is selfish. The human self seeks his own gratification at the expense, if need be, of someone else. So what she's basically saying is when she's talking about denying oneself, she's talking about there's an aspect of human consciousness that tends to be selfish, that tends to be self-serving, that sometimes seeks to get what he wants, even if it harms itself. You know, we have to realize that sometimes the things that we do, we do to harm ourselves. They don't harm anyone else. When a person, and I'm, when I say they don't harm anybody else, I don't mean that they don't affect other people because they can. But when I mean harm themselves, we can do things that we know will harm us put us in danger, put us in jeopardy, but we do it anyway because it's what we want at the moment. That's the self that she's talking about denying. But she goes on to say, your divine self is never sick, never afraid, never selfish. It is the part of you that does not insist on its own way, is not irritable or resentful, quoting 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, when it was talking about love. It is always seeking to give to others while the human self is always seeking its own. Heretofore, we have lived more in the human region. We have believed all that the carnal mind has told us. And the consequence is that we have been overwhelmed with all kinds of privation and suffering. So then she goes into what it means to start working with this metaphysical principle called denial. She states, some people during the last few years have been making a special study of the mind, find it a fact that certain wrong or false beliefs held by us are really the cause of all sorts of trouble, physical, moral, and financial. I just want to stop right there because you have to remember that this was written in 1894. She states again, that people were studying the mind and they realized that wrong and false beliefs were a cause for all sorts of trouble, physical, moral, and financial, or any other. Because when it's all said and done, before there's the manifestation, there's the thought. So she's saying that the, the, the root cause of what we call human trouble 
are wrong and false beliefs. Now, what's a belief? A belief is what you accept as true, what you accept as true, what I accept as true, what I believe I've accepted as true. What you believe you have accepted as true. Then she goes on to say they have learned that wrong or as they call them error beliefs arise only in the human mind. Let's stop there. So when an alignment with our spiritual spirituality, our Christ mind or Christ consciousness or super conscious awareness or spiritual mindedness or, or that mind in you that was also in Christ Jesus, whatever term you like to use. That mind has nothing but the perfect divine ideas of God. So that which comes out of it is absolute good because God's nature and character is absolute good. And God's will is absolute good. Then she states, they have learned and actually proved that we can, by persistent effort of the will, change our beliefs. And by this means alone, entirely change our troublesome circumstances and bodily conditions. So again, She's saying, change your thinking, change your life. Change your thinking, change your life. And that's a premise that's said over and over and over again in New Thought. Change your thinking, change your life. I believe it's on the cover of the Science of Mind magazine. You know, Charles Fillmore used to say, thoughts are things. This is a way to remind us that as Reverend Johnny Coleman used to say, the founder of Christ Universal Temple, I am the thinker that thinks the thought that makes the thing. Now, moving on. So Katie goes on to say, one of the methods methods that they have found will work every time in getting rid of troublesome conditions, which are all the results of erroneous thinking and feeling, is to deny them in toto. First, to deny that any such thing could have Excuse me, such things have or could have power to make us unhappy. Second, to deny that these things do in reality exist at all. Now, what does that mean? First, to deny that something has the power to make us unhappy. Now, this means that it might be a fact, physical fact. But just because it's a physical fact does not mean it has power to make us happy or sad. We give Based upon what we believe a thing makes us happy or sad, not based upon the thing in and of itself. Only your perception determines and what you believe based upon your perception determines how you see a thing. So you can deny that what you call uh, or we call an error experience or negative experience has any power to make you unhappy. Matter of fact, you, you, you can deny that it's a negative experience. It just is. It doesn't have to be a negative experience unless you decide it is. Then it says to deny that things, that these things do in reality exist at all. Now this is key when we start talking about reality and new thought, reality and metaphysical Christianity. Because the word reality and new thought means that which is permanent, enduring, internal, eternal, unchangeable, you know, permanent. In other words, in reality, 
for a new thought Christian, we're only talking about things of God. They don't change. Everything else moves in and moves out of existence. Only God is the one presence and one power. So when a new thought person says that's not real, that means it's not true in God. And if it's not true in God, it's not true in my experience. And true only means that it has a principle to stand behind it, a divine law that stands behind it. And what we call erroneous experiences are the results of error thinking. But I tell people, when you remove human beings from an experience, then when you start to look for what the world calls evil, you can't find it. You know, a lion chasing down an animal in the in in, in the wild is not evil. You know, a, a a frog, you know, sticking out his tongue and catching a bug is not evil. Human beings judge things evil and good. See, but God is life. It doesn't make a difference whether human beings are here or not. You see life expressed. You see signs of life everywhere. So you'll see the expression of God regardless of human perception or involvement. But you'd never see evil without human beings being involved with it. A tsunami is not evil as people's not people are not around or people's property or or you know or livelihoods or or lives are involved with a tsunami or hurricane or tornado. It's just a thing. It just is. But what we call evil is totally based upon how we see life. And there's nothing wrong with saying, okay, that doesn't need to happen again. That needs to be addressed. We need to make sure that those type of injustices don't happen because human beings can't be funny with human beings. The challenge is to remind ourselves that we're not just human beings. We're also spiritual beings. And the human being aspect of me is temporal and the spiritual being aspect of me is permanent. So we're denying the, the, the belief that the human experience has power because we realize that God is the one power. And if we're expressions of God, then the power lies within my spiritual nature, not in my human nature. Moving right along. So she goes on to say, page 47, the word deny has two definitions according to Webster. To deny in one sense is to refuse to grant, as to deny bread to the hungry. To deny in another sense, and we believe it was in this latter way that Jesus used it, is to declare untrue, to repudiate as utterly false. So when we deny, we're saying that's not true, that's false. That's error. That's an error belief expression. That's, that's a lie trying to present itself as a truth to me. So she goes on to say, to deny oneself then is to not withhold comfort or happiness from the external man, much less to inflict torture upon him. But it is to deny the claims of error consciousness to declare these claims to be untrue. Now, so what is that saying? That's simply saying that we have to be in the space where we consistently remind ourselves that when we start seeing these experiences that are unlike the nature of God, which is absolute good, we have the ability to deny them. We have the ability to deny them. That has no power over me. We have to let go of old 
outworn negative beliefs and attitudes. We have to refuse to accept everything that's presented to our senses, to our sight, to our hearing in particular. And as Jesus said, judge not according to appearances, but judge righteous judgment. Or as Jesus said, let, when he talked about denial and affirmation, let your speech be yes, yes, no, no, or yes, yes. Why is that important? Know what we have to learn what to say no to. You know, uh, Vernon Howard wrote a little book years ago called The Power of No. See, everything that's presented to us, we don't have to accept. So denial is my ability to say no to a thing. No, I don't accept that. No, that's not a power in my experience. No, I refuse to experience that. No, no, no. You know, when your thoughts want to take you somewhere where you don't want to go, no. No, I don't believe that. There's no power in whatever. God is the only power. God is the only presence. That's when you use the affirmation aspect, which we'll talk about next week. So when we're creating the vacuum by removing the error belief, we then substitute it with the affirmation, which we'll talk about next week. Now, I want to pause here for a moment because we were close to a break. And I want to remind you that this show, along with all of the shows on Unity Online Radio, are supported. This show is supported by your free will offering. Freely you have received, freely give. Your loving donations help support this online ministry so it can send messages like this out to the world. You never know who it will affect. I was just speaking um, we just had uh, at our church at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, a gentleman that came from Sweden. He saw our pastor, Reverend Derek B. Wells, online and came all the way from Sweden to come to church in Chicago at CUT just because he wanted to meet him and come to the place where he was, while watching the live stream, got his perspective back. So I just want to just remind you of that. You never know where this message will go or messages like this will go. So be a stand and support it. Give. Link up. Take the link and copy and paste it on your Facebook page and on your Twitter accounts and whatever else. What are you doing? You're supporting the message to go out into the world. It matters. It really does. You don't know who you will affect and who you will touch. So make sure that you click on the donate button. We're going to take a short break and we'll be right back with Truth Transforms. Our goal at Unity Online Radio is to continue expanding our spiritual programming and growing our listening audience. To help us become an ever stronger voice in today's world, we ask for your support. Please visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. 
Thank you. What if you could experience vibrant health, help heal the planet, and be a great friend to God's animal kingdom through simple choices you make at breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Authors Victoria and Adair Moran say you can do this easily, affordably, and deliciously in their new book, Main Street Vegan. Everything you need to know to eat healthfully and live compassionately in a real world. Loaded with practical tips, straightforward information, and fabulous recipes, Main Street Vegan will help you on your journey toward a plant-based diet. The perks include more energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, feeling younger as you grow older, and maybe even a boost to your spiritual life. Purchase Main Street Vegan from BN.com, Amazon.com, or your favorite bookseller. What is the secret to happiness? Why do bad things happen to good people? What is our purpose in life? What must I do to bring healing into my life? Join Rev. Paul Hasselbeck every Tuesday for a metaphysical romp. Explore fundamental unity principles put into action through real-life scenarios from people like you. Call in with your questions and spiritual challenges, and let Paul take you on a journey of profound personal understanding and transformation. That's Metaphysical Romp with Reverend Paul Hasselbeck every Tuesday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, right here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms. Now, here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. All right. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. We're studying Lessons in Truth by H. Emily Cady, and we're on the chapter, um, well, on chapter four, the chapter on denials. Now, if you have any questions, I would like you to call me at 888-558-6489, 888-558-6489. Also would like to remind you, as I was mentioning before the break about the gentleman who watched the stream and was uh, touched and moved to come to Chicago, come to Christ Universal Temple to, you know, experience Christ Universal Temple Live, let me invite you also to Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. You can go to our website, www.cutemple.org. That's www.cutemple.org. And get all the information you desire. Find out about our senior minister, the Reverend Derek B. Wells. And if you're not in our area, you can watch the live stream, which is 10.30 a.m. to 12 noon Central Standard Time. Check us out. And if you're ever in Chicago, please stop by. We would love to see you. And let me know that you're in the building. All right, so let's get back to the book. Again, I'm teaching out of the Unity Classic Library Series edition of Lessons in Truth. So I don't know if the pages I'm reading will be the exact same pages you're reading. But let's get to it. So... She says on page 48, if you have done any piece of work incorrectly, 
the first step toward getting it right is to undo the wrong and begin again from that point. We have believed wrong about God and about ourselves. Let's stop right there. We have believed wrong about God and we have believed wrong about ourselves. You know, we have all of these different opinions and beliefs about God. And many times we start talking about being a new thought student, true student, metaphysical Christian, metaphysician, whatever term you want to use. Or if you don't use any of those terms, we have a tendency to because of pop culture, even if you never were around church, you grew up with certain beliefs about God. You know, you might even, you know, have beliefs like, you know, if why does God allow this to happen and and God is punishing me or the man upstairs or somebody up there likes me on all these type of beliefs that have nothing to do with truth in the sense of God is omnipresence. God is omniscience. God is omnipotence. All the power, all the presence, all the wisdom or intelligence that there is in the universe. We don't have a good sense of self because we don't view ourselves as divine beings made in the image and likeness of God. We have a tendency to focus on what is wrong. You know, if if every part of our body is, is working correctly and the big toe is hurting, we focus on the big toe and complain about that instead of thanking God for the rest of the body that works properly. And by praising the part that works properly, we can work with and get the toe in alignment with the truth of the whole body. But what we do is we have a tendency to focus on that part that disturbs us. So what I'm trying to say is we 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 have been conditioned to look for what's wrong. Life is conditioned us that way. Our upbringing, our traditions, etc. And it's nothing wrong with fixing or, or dealing with that which needs to be dealt with. The issue comes into play when we make a we put a judgment to it and we make ourselves wrong because something has gone awry. My suggestion is we learn to think the truth about ourselves and instead of all of these concepts of and judgments based upon uh, what I have or don't have, my weight or height or gender or uh, ethnic background, you know, finances, whatever. You're a child of God. You're the image and likeness of God. You're a divine spiritual being. Regardless of how you think of yourself, you might think that nobody will want to be bothered with you. Nobody wants to hire you or nobody thinks you're attractive or nobody will want to whatever you add on to it. Just realize all those things are your own erroneous beliefs. But the problem is this. Jesus says, according to what you believe, you receive. You know, he equated belief with experience that you can't outperform your own belief system. You can't outperform your own words. You'll never achieve anything beyond how you think about yourself. You'll never achieve anything beyond what you say about yourself. Ever. Ever. So, let's get back to the book. Then, she goes on to say, we have believed that God was angry with us and that we are sinners who sought to be af- who ought to be afraid of him. We have believed that sickness and poverty and other troubles are evils, things, evil things put here by the same God to torture us in some way into serving him and loving him. We have believed that we have pleased God best when we have become so absolutely subdued by our troubles as to be patiently submissive to them all, not even trying to rise out of them or to overcome them. All this is false 
entirely false. And the first step step toward freeing ourselves from our troubles is to get rid of our erroneous beliefs about God and about ourselves. So the first step toward freeing yourself is to get rid of your erroneous beliefs about God and yourself. Whatever you're going through that is not what the world calls good, it's not God's will for you. God doesn't want nor need you to be sick. God does not want nor need you to be broke. God does not need nor want you to be unhappy. God's will is absolute good all the time. Now, so she what she goes into is this, page 49. Denial is the first practical step toward wiping out of our minds the mistaken, mistaken beliefs of a lifetime. The beliefs that have made such havoc in our lives by denial, we mean declaring not to be true a thing that seems true. I just want to be clear. She states, by denial, we mean declaring not to be true a thing that seems true. So you're looking at a thing and you're calling it a lie and you're saying it's not a power and it does not have any a dominion over you even while you're experiencing it let's make this really practical if by denying a belief does not mean that sometimes you don't take outer actions to handle it because as you do that you might be guided to do outwardly to outward things to handle what you need to handle but you're denying that it has any power over you see that's the key you might be experiencing what the world calls illness you're denying the the error thought that this experience has any power over you and then you deny the, that it's real in the sense that it's permanent, enduring, eternal, unchangeable. Of course it's not eternal because you used to didn't have it. Of course it's not unchangeable because if anybody ever in the history of humanity has ever been healed from it, you can be healed too. If anybody's ever been healed of any disease, disorder, or illness, you can. Now you might not see how that's done, but the first step is denying the belief. Now, now, I'm not telling anybody not to take medicine. I'm not telling anybody not to go to the doctor. I'm not telling anybody not to go to the hospital. I have, and and I know many other people have had uh, situations where you've had to go to the doctor. There comes a space, though, where sometimes it's just you and God. And I can't say that when that moment is for you or if there will be a moment for you. But I would say go to God first, then go to the humanity as God directs. But in but by but I have to teach the principle properly. Just because I, I won't say you, might not have the consciousness to fully accept this does not mean that it doesn't work. Because if the consciousness is strong and high enough in the sense that it can clearly see through the appearance of sickness, illness, and disease, poverty, discord, or, or, or whatever, then the consciousness that denies that it has a power disrobes the error and you discover that there's nothing under the robe. But that takes training. That's how these early metaphysical students heal their bodies you know when this book was written they were still putting leeches on people to suck the disease out there was no standardized medical care 
Sigmund Freud was still just creating theories of what we now call modern psychology. It was a lot of things not understood. So they had to learn how to use their minds to heal their bodies. So what they did was they became very systematic about how they did that. They discovered when certain type of thoughts and certain type of beliefs were held and other type of thoughts and beliefs were were denied, it showed up as harmony in their bodies. Phineas P. Quimby, who was considered the founder of New Thought, who never knew that he founded something, <laughs> but anyway, he used to write and say to his patients, the explanation is the cure, which means when you know the truth, that's your cure. If you have a firm enough realization that you're a divine spiritual being and health and peace and love or whatever it is that you need to experience at the moment is your birthright and you're clear on it, not just as a revelation, but as a firm realization, it will show up. It has to show up. It has to show up just as strongly as gravity has to work. It'll show up just as much as uh, a 45-degree angle is always a 45-degree angle. It's never a 60-degree angle. It's based upon immutable law. And I realized that it takes a lot to disrobe beliefs that you have embedded in your consciousness. Why? Because it's hard for me. But what I do and what you can do and what others have done before us and what others will do after us is this. You work on it day by day, day by day, issue by issue until you continually pull the mind back. It's sort of like the movie The Matrix at the after he took the pill uh, to discover the truth. Part of the process was learning how to deny the power of the matrix because the matrix didn't have any power. It was a mental simulation that he thought was real. And when he realized that he, that he had power over it, he could do miraculous things. Well, this three dimensional world that, that we call reality is existence is, is physical reality, but it's not ultimate reality It's relative reality, not, ultimate reality it's not absolute reality therefore what we call the physical experience is shaped and formed from consciousness and if it is then we can shape and form our lives based upon what we think and we're doing that right now moving right along she goes on to say negative appearances are directly opposed to the teachings of truth Jesus said, do not judge by appearances, but judge with righteous judgment. And then she gives a great example. She says, suppose you have always been taught that the sun really moved or revolved around the earth. And someone should now try to persuade you that the opposite is true. You would see at once that such might be the case. And as yet often as you saw the sun rise, the old impression made up on your mind by the wrong belief of years will come up and seem almost too real to be disputed. The only way by which you could cleanse your mind of the impression and make the untrue seem unreal would be by repeatedly denying the old beliefs, saying over and over as often as the subject came up in your mind, this is not true. The sun does not move. It stands still. And the earth moves. Eventually, the sun would only seem to move. Then she goes on to say, 
the appearances that our bodies and our circumstances control our thoughts. But the opposite is true. Our thoughts control our bodies and our circumstances. Again, she says, the appearances are that our bodies and our circumstances control our thoughts. But the opposite is true. Our thoughts control our bodies and our circumstances. That's powerful. That's powerful. Because we believe I'm mad because what she said or what he did. No, you're not. That's your thought. That's your belief. Those are your feelings. It has nothing to do with anybody else. Completely you. Always you. No matter what. Your reaction is always you. Never what's going on around you. I know that's tough. But if you've been conditioned to deal with what you would call a tough circumstance, for instance, uh, I have an uncle who is a retired Chicago fireman. He was trained and conditioned to run into a burning building. If I see a burning building, building, I'm not running into it. Because my mind is conditioned not to, to stay away from that because that could harm me. With him, He's conditioned, run into the building, make sure everybody is safe, do what you got to do to control the situation. I'm not conditioned for that. You have to be conditioned to run into a burning building. That's what I'm talking about. So he has to deny the thoughts and the beliefs that are going to come up that are the natural human response to run in there and do what he has to do. Well, experiences will come up in life. We have to deny that they have power and go do what we're supposed to be doing. She goes on to state on page 50, if you repeatedly deny a false or unhappy condition, it loses its power to make you unhappy. That's key. If you repeatedly, she didn't say two or three times. She said repeatedly. If you repeatedly deny a false or unhappy condition, it loses its power to make you unhappy. If something is making you unhappy right now, deny that it has any power over you. You might still be going through the experience. But for right now, just deny that it has power over you. You know, you can I release and let go and let God. You have no power over me. And then that's when you go into the affirmation, which we will talk about next week. I'm a child of God or whatever. And how many times you need to say this as much as is needed over and over and over. That's why she said repeatedly. That's key. Repeatedly. You know, and then she says what everyone desires is to is to have only the good manifested in his life and surroundings. To have his life full of love, to have perfect health, to know all things, to have great power and much joy. And this is just exactly what God wants us to have. Well, I love that. God wants me to have my good. God wants me to have my good. God wants you to have your good. That's a beautiful belief. And if you're going to have a belief, have one that empowers you. Now, we're coming up on our last break. So when we come back, we're going to cover the four basic denials given 
and Lessons in Truth by H. Emily Cady to cover most situations. God bless you. We'll be right back with Truth Transforms. Have you asked your soul what it wants? Or are you so busy meeting the needs of everyone else? Family, friends, children, bosses, that you haven't checked in with the part of you that matters most? Janet Connor asked this question and received an answer. Your soul wants five things. That's it. Five things. Your soul wants to connect with source, commit to values, serve a purpose, express itself creatively, and last, it longs to create a beautiful, abundant life. Janet Connor teaches five wisdom habits that meet those needs. You can take each course separately or register for the complete Your Soul Wants Five Things series and receive $1,000 in bonuses for free. Visit JanetConnor.com and explore all five courses in her signature series, Your Soul Wants Five Things. Your soul will thank you. Have you ever considered that everything you think and say is a prayer to the universe? Are you sending a positive or negative message? Join Reverend Beverly Molander and her guests on Affirmative Prayer, Activating the Power of Yes, to find out how they activated the power of yes in their lives, their communities, or the world. If they can do it, you can too. Listen to Beverly Molander and her guests live every Monday at noon Central, 1 p.m. Eastern, on Affirmative Prayer, Activating the Power of Yes, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. You've been listening to Truth Transforms with Rev. Galen McDowell. If you have questions or comments about today's program, or if you'd like to join in on the discussion, email us at truthtransforms at unity.fm. Now back to Truth Transforms. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. I'm your host, Galen McDowell, and we are in the midst of a series on the book Lessons in Truth by H. Emily Cady, the classic book that is has been taught in unity and in new thought churches for over 100 years i'm on page 51 of the unity classic library series version of lessons in truth and we're starting off with what she calls the four uh, basic denials to deal with four common error thoughts she starts by saying there are four common error thoughts to which nearly everyone grants great power Persons who have grown out of sickness and trouble through prayer have found it good to deny these thoughts in order to cleanse the mind of uh, <clears throat> of the effects of believing them. They can be denied like this. First one is, there is no evil. So, she states, there is but one power in the universe, and that is God good. God is good, and God is omnipresent. Apparent evils are not entities or things of themselves. They are simply the apparent absence of good just as darkness is an absence of light but god or good is omnipresent so the apparent absence of good or evil is unreal 
It is only an appearance of evil, just as the moving sun was an appearance. You need not wait to, to discuss this matter of evil or to understand fully all about why you deny it, but begin to practice denials in an unprejudiced way and see how marvelously they will, after a while, deliver you from some of the so-called evils of your daily life. So she goes right in on the big one right off the bat. When she does that, there is no evil. What she is basically stating is that it has no power. It has it, it has no power to do anything other than what you give it. So it has no power over you. Now, you can say, well, you know, history has taught us without a shadow of a doubt that there have been evil in the world. Okay, where well, it has been in existence and it's been taken out of existence. So it's had opportunities and appearances of what we would call horrendous things. But let's just be clear. When we start believing in the power of it and address it with the presence and power of truth or God, that's what we call evil, dissipates. When you look at Gandhi and using a nonviolent, uh, using nonviolent techniques and principles to get the British Empire to leave India or the civil rights movement in the United States in the 50s and 60s, they, those pioneers of truth used truth to deny the belief that someone else had power over them. So what they did is when they were able to stand up on their own power, what ended up happening was simply this. As they stood on truth, the things around them started to change without them having to be violent and fight for in the sense of fighting, uh, like we would say, fight for a, um, as we would say, fight for what you would call a, uh, you know, violence and, you know, warfare and all of those other things. They allow righteousness to be their sword. They allow principle and love to be the quote unquote, their weapon because they stood on truth. You can too. And uh, watch the world move around you. When you realize there is no evil. The second one is there is no absence of life, substance or intelligence anywhere. Again, there is no absence of life, substance or intelligence Anywhere. She goes on to say, we have seen that the real is the spiritual. Then she quotes 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. What can be seen is temporary, but what cannot be seen is eternal. By using this denial, you will soon break your bondage to matter and material conditions. You will know that you are free. So what she's saying is regardless of what you see, God's life, God's substance, God's intelligence is always there. Even when you don't detect it, and because you don't detect it, does not mean that it's not there. Why? Because God is omnipresence. Therefore, there can never be an absence of life, substance, or intelligence anywhere. And, of, and all what we call life has activity, that's life, substance is form, and intelligence means some type of guiding mental principle, even if it's not something we understand. So as we work with this truth, over and over again, let us work with and understand the primary, primary, primary principle. There is no absence. God is always evenly present, even in situations that we can't see and understand. We're denying the belief that God is not there. God is always there. Just as much God where you are right now, whenever you listen to this, as there is in any part of the universe. The third principle is pain, sickness, poverty, old age, and death cannot master me. For they are not real. 
Again, pain, sickness, poverty, old age, and death cannot master me, for they are not real. Now, she's not saying that you don't ex- experience these things. Again, she's saying they're not permanent, they're not real, and permanent, eternal, unchangeable. Now, pain does exist in the body. What she's saying is when you understand the power of who you are, you can even through your mind deal with that. Now, that could be something you can accept or not accept. Sickness and poverty, sickness, There, if anybody's ever been healed from a sickness, regardless of what the doctors say, then you can. I personally know people who have been had miraculous healings from what the world says were incurable things. The uh, founder of Christ Universal Temple had six months to live in the early 1950s before she found unity and started studying new thought. Uh, Charles Fillmore, uh, the founder of unity, you know, uh, had tuberculosis of the hip and many other ailments on the right side of his body that um, that were transformed. His wife had tuberculosis of the lungs and received a healing. And if and. I'm sure Unity and all the New Thought churches, Uf, UFBL, I, my organization that I work within, uh, religious science or now centers of spiritual living, divine science, and and definitely Christian science, our, our, our metaphysical brothers and sisters, have well chronicled healings based upon the understanding that pain, sickness, poverty, old age, and death cannot master me. Poverty can't master you. You might be going through an experience right now, but it doesn't master you. Death cannot master you. Old age cannot master you. In other words, just because you're, you're, you have a biological age does not mean that that has to have power over you. Death doesn't have to have power for you because you don't have to fear it. Because when you understand that there's only life, you can make a transition out of this body, but it doesn't master you because you don't have to fear it. Because you realize that you are an inter- eternal divine being. Therefore, there's no need to be afraid of not being here as the persona you know yourself to be it can't master you because what it's not real there is no death there's only life life just changes form fourth denial there's nothing in all the universe for me to fear for greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world again there's nothing in all the universe for me to fear for greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world now This is dealing with our beliefs and fear. When we really realize that greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world, then that means that anything that I come up against, that which I'm connected to, that which I'm one with, is the real power. Therefore, why am I afraid? She quotes the scripture from Isaiah 49, 25. I will contend with those who contend with you, which means these experiences that you think have power over you when you get in alignment with truth, they dissipate into their nothingness. So she says, repeat these four denials several times a day, not with a strained anxiety to get something out of them, but trying calmly to realize the meaning of the words spoken. So in other words, you don't say denials with a lot of energy. You say them almost dismissively. There is no evil. You know, because sometimes we be like, there is no evil. What are we doing? We're putting a lot of energy into that. No, there is no evil. There is no, there. you know, whatever your denial is, there is no absence of life, substance, or intelligence anywhere. 
You know, then the thought comes up, there is no absence of life, substance, or intelligence anywhere. Then the thought comes up again, there is no absence of life, substance, or intelligence anywhere. Then the thought comes up, there's nothing all the universe for me to fear. For greater is he that is within me than he is in the world. You don't, you're not to be aggressive with denial. Sometimes you have to have a hard no, but normally it's just, you see it. You remind yourself, you keep it going. Then the thought comes up, you remind yourself, you keep going. Thought comes up, you remind yourself, and you keep going. Charles Fillmore said the sort of you, you do denials gently like sweeping cobwebs out of a corner. You're not slamming denials. Okay. I just want to make sure that comes across. Then she goes on to say on page 53. She says, if someone shows you ill will, silently deny this power to hurt you or make you unhappy. Should you find yourself feeling jealous or envious toward anyone, instantly turn the heel of denial on the Hydra-headed monster. Hydra was the monster in the Greek mythology that had you cut one head off, it comes back with two heads. Declare that you are not jealous or envious, that you are an expression of perfect love, an expression which God is God pressed out into visibility and cannot feel negation. She goes down further down the page. Shall the foot be envious of the hand or the ear of the eyes? And she's going on to say there's no reason to be envious of anyone else because guess what? You're an expression of God and so are they. You know, she says if you find yourself dreading to meet anyone or afraid to step out and do what you want or ought to do, immediately begin to say it is not true. I am not afraid. I am a perfect. I am perfect love and cannot know fear. No one, nothing in all the universe can hurt me. She goes on to give many, many uh, ways in which you would use denial. If you're somebody you, we would say today, that call you need to make that you haven't made, that email you need to send that you haven't sent. It, you know, when people respond to you, how do you feel about when they respond to you? Are you afraid? Are you scared? Are you whatever? You have to free yourself. So denial is a way you free yourself from beliefs that hinder you. Stand in the space and allow yourself, no matter what, to know without a shadow of a doubt that the one presence and one power in the universe that we call God works and lives in you only works and lives in you only, not only in you as to exclusive to you, but only in the sense that the outer appearances that you're working through don't have any power over you. That's key. That's key. So what we're going to do now is we're going, I'm going to stop this aspect of teaching and wrap up the show. But what I want to be able to do is is to, is to remind you to go back over and listen to the other shows. And hopefully you're reading the book as we go through this series, because what will happen from reading the book is this. As you listen to this show and you read the book, the father will take the information that I'm giving and the information H. Only Katie is given and then give it what you need at this moment and will give you something new and fresh that I haven't thought of and definitely H. Emily Katie didn't think of. So realize that the spirit of truth and the true teacher is always within you. I'm only like Lawrence Fishburne in the movie School Days. If you saw it at the end of the movie, he was ringing the bell telling people, wake up, wake up, wake up. My job is to help you wake up. So join me next week for Truth Transforms. God bless you and enjoy your day. Take care.
Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms with Rev. Galen McDowell. Join us every Wednesday at 10 a.m. for live discussions about how to live a spiritually transformed, prosperous, healthy, and joyful life. Truth Transforms, only on Unity Online Radio. This program is brought to you in part by Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. Online at www.cutemple.org and on Facebook and Twitter under CU Temple. Winfrey says that Eric Butterworth's book, Discover the Power Within You, changed her perspective on life and religion. Maya Angelou quotes Emily Cady's Lessons in Truth as she recalls her own spiritual awakening. What do these books have in common? They are Unity Classics. Join Rev. Laura Beth Gilbreth, Minister of Unity Transformation, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, for Hooked on Classics, exploring Unity's classic books. Each month, you'll be able to follow along and contribute your thoughts, questions, and ideas as we examine a different classic Unity book. From Charles and Myrtle Fillmore to Eric Butterworth, Emily Cady, and beyond, experience the foundational teachings of Unity. Hooked on Classics, exploring Unity's classic books. Thursdays on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Somewhere, tucked away in the Unity Library archives in Unity Village, Missouri, you can find a secret treasure. They are the scripts from Unity co-founder Charles Fillmore's early days on broadcast radio. The teachings of Unity's founders, almost a hundred years old. Now, for the first time in history, you can hear them through the power of the Internet. Join Bob Brock every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, For Unity Classic Radio, words from our past. Discover the wisdom of Charles Fillmore's talks and of other Unity Radio speakers read on the air again. Call in your comments and questions as Bob and his special guests revisit Unity Radio talks of the past, along with historical background from the early days of the Unity movement. That's Unity Classic Radio, words from our past, every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, Right here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Things may happen around you, things may happen to you, but the only things that really count are the things that happen in you. This meditative moment from Reverend Eric Butterworth is brought to you by Unity. I'm Victoria Moran. Since we launched the Main Street Vegan podcast back in 2012, lots more people have discovered the way that moving in a vegan direction can infuse our lives with vitality, spirituality, and compassion. My guests are experts on every aspect of making this work in your real life and our real world. Join us for Main Street Vegan here on mindbodyspirit.fm. 